Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, campus pastor at Conduit Church. Joined each and every week, of course, with the lead pastor, Darren Tyler, as we uh, we play a little bit of catch-up, because we didn't do one last week. We didn't do a podcast last week. Uh, you were sunning, sunbathing yeah. on the beautiful shores of Orange Beach, Alabama. Dude, Orange Beach is amazing. I've never been to Orange Beach. It's kind of an old people vacation place. Um like it's it's not far it's like it's like Gulf Shores adjacent. Right, it's next door. You know, and like everything on the Gulf Coast it's all building out. But like uh, I first discovered it like 20 years ago because like I was past the Panama City uh right. kegger people. Yeah. And it has its own flavor. Yeah. And and I began to notice a pattern of people that I knew who were like upper echelon wealthy people from like Memphis and Little Rock, which is they went to Orange Beach, but they didn't really tell anybody they went oh, to Orange Beach. Okay. So we, uh, we, yeah, we went to Orange Beach um, because, and it's still that, like it's still pretty, uh, it's, it's older and it's tame. Um, but I got to tell you, I don't know how it works in the Teeman household, but Shannon and I have the literal exact opposite idea of a good time. On the beach? On, as a, just vacation. <laughs> oh, in general. In general, because um, everybody knows my wife knows that uh, she doesn't sit still ever, like she's constantly in motion doing something. But when it comes to the beach, she can sit still for hours. Yes. And hours. Yeah. And I'm bored like 14 minutes. In fact, I think I texted you once like I'm super bored, man. What yeah. I, you know? Yeah. Um, but we've been married long enough now where she doesn't feel insecure if I leave the beach. Like, cause technically, I'm not leaving her. In fact, it's actually more relaxing if I'm not sitting there. Because <laughs> all I'm doing is stressing her out. <laughs> so like reading and listening to podcasts and, you know. You got to do some fishing, though. Uh, we did. Uh, yeah, dude. That wasn't boring. It didn't look boring. Well, yeah, it was not. It was only four hours of the vacation. Okay. Um. But it was it was a highlight. Highlight, yeah. yeah. I in, literally injured my arm uh, because we were just hauling hogs. Nice out of the sea. Like I literally taking. Well, your your wife, the physical therapist, mm-hmm. or whatever it is she's doing now, has been coaching me with ibuprofen and ice. And now my wife thinks that's what happens all the time at fishing. So she's oh, like, okay. "Well, oh, that's, that's why it. you keep going fishing." I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not. This is not every time. This is right, like right. This is why you go fishing for the moments that this might happen. It's like a lottery. <laughs> right. It's like all the people you can't win if you don't play. But anyway, it was good, and uh, but it is good to be home. You guys held the fort down. Yeah, um, absolutely. And good to be back. And I, I, I watched uh, online, and you look good on camera, dude. Oh, well, thank you. Really you. Do. Like, I have an un- <laughs> I'm 50 years old. I have an unblemished record of heterosexuality. But... I was like, man, Mo's, Mo's a good-looking guy on camera. Like, you, 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 you carry yourself well on that, and, and, it, and it was good. It was really I good. Appreciate that. Um, Thank Mo, you. Mo's way better at making like a, a, a chopping into something and getting to the point, making it deep without making it boring. Um, well, it was fun. It, I appreciate the opportunity anytime I'm able to to teach, and um, you know, I I had an honest moment. 
in this teaching. Dude. Okay. Um, and was a little vulnerable. And I wasn't sure if I should share this particular story. And if those, if you missed it, obviously you can go back through previous podcast and on our YouTube channel to, to watch or listen to the teaching from <laughs> the beginning of Romans chapter five, which is what we're going to dive into today. But I don't know. This story felt like a good visual of maybe our relationship with the Lord sometimes. Well, I was um, fascinated because I don't, I feel like had you have told me that I would have remembered it, but I also know that I'm, my hard drive is full. So there are things that are like, you know, like, I don't know how you're, you're, of course your computer's not like this, but I got files that I just can't find. I know they're on there somewhere. Uh, and this might've been one of those, but like you uh, outrunning the police, I just feel like I would have remembered that. Like right, it right. didn't come up in the interview. I know that, but we would have hired you anyway, because I, I like scofflaws. So it would have uh, <laughs> would have actually made it more, more attractive. But let me ask you this. So you're out running the police. Ken, I know your wife. Many many people listening do. Many people don't. Uh, but imagine if you're a man and you and your car's broke down and your wife knows more about it than you do. Okay, <laughs> and which is what that's the story of the that's, Teeman household. That's true. Um, and by the way, the story of would be mine. Uh, I don't know anything about cars either. But is she encouraging you? So you've got the you have floored it now. Okay, you're not stopping. Police are back there somewhere. Yeah. Is yeah. she scolding you or is she cheering you on? She's cheering me on. I mean, cheering me on. Like, let's go. Like, babe, put your foot on the pedal. Like, this engine has more to it than you think it does because she knows that this car can move. And for those that missed the story, I mean, this, this is, is a 21-year-old story of of us being gifted a 1998 Ford Mustang GT 4.0 liter convertible. Uh, was for the top our, down? I think I missed that the part. The top was down. Yeah. For the honeymoon. In we, my mind, the top was down. So. It was the top was down. So we're, you know, on a trip in the upper peninsula of Michigan, which is the middle of nowhere, literally. And long story short, I won't go into the whole story, but yeah, we uh, we came across a Michigan state trooper and decided to, well, we had two decisions, right? We had a, we had a decision to make. We can just pull over like, like you probably should. Yeah. Or you can see how much... Is in is under the hood yeah. of a 1998 Ford Mustang GT 4.0 liter, and so we we decided the latter. So the question that every <laughs> I'm assuming everybody wanted to know, because I did, and Micah, cover your ears. Uh, had you yet consummated your marriage? Or absolutely, and I think okay. we were riding high okay. from from uh, that, yeah. and was living wild and free at 20 years old. Uh, now married and all the freedom in the world, and so we just we went all the way, yeah. in more ways than yeah, one, literally and figuratively. Yeah, I, I had wondered um, because I felt like there were two scenarios that could have unfolded there, which was one you had not yet, and you know. Now that said, I've heard conjugal visits. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've heard that that's once you've been married a long time, that's like that, that's a highlight. But I, I I don't know, so I didn't know if you were just trying to like gosh, we can't we can't get arrested before we have a chance yeah, to you was, know yeah keep the keep the show on the road yeah. here. Um, but so yeah, I, but the other is that yeah that you had um, experienced um, you know that and and you were we were off to the races yeah on all accounts yeah and um, outran the police. And obviously, this was a story that was uh, there. There was a point to there this was story. a point to the story, which I thought was a good point. It was a point to the story. That somehow, sometimes this is how this is our relationship with the Lord. Like He's telling us to pull over. He's trying to get our attention, 
and uh, we've transgressed, and we just try to outrun him, or we try to hide and not deal with, not deal with it. And so we do not have peace with God, and we need to make that right to have peace with God. And so that was the point of the story. But I felt like it was a story that needed to be told. And I, I got to tell you, it, uh, it obviously inspired me. So some advice that I was given a long time ago. So when you have a, a story where someone's sharing a story with you and you think in your mind, I've got a better story that's about me, let it go. Let them have that moment. Right. Right. So I should have probably done that, but I just it, it reminded me of my own uh, Yeah, it was a great follow-up story so with the law. Two weeks ago, obviously, we, I tackled Romans 5, verses 1 through 5, and then you picked up verse 6, and it was great. It was a great follow-up because you were able to ch- share your similar story. <laughs> yeah. Where you had a warrant out for your arrest. Now, it, all of our stories are making us look like I think scumbags. Pe- to, to be honest, I'm not sure people are surprised. Like if you, if you think of a younger version of us, you're like, well, that's really not that shocking that they might have found themselves in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. No, I'm, you outrunning the police. That actually, I will say, that did kind of surprise me because that's that takes some. Yeah, you, you know, know. would take some testosterone, which you clearly had just unleashed. So absolutely. Um, but you. Being on the run, well, you didn't. You didn't know you were on the run. No, no. But you have a warrant out for your arrest. Oh, it was so embarrassing. Is uh, yeah, I was so embarrassed. I had to call. You get the call, right? The phone call, one call, and so I called my girlfriend at the time, um, and because here's the thing, I wasn't supposed to even leave after that because my license was suspended. And um, so, so where are you when you have to make this call? Are you uh, at the county? Jail? I'm at the county jail in uh, Phillipsburg, Kansas, hometown of uh, Jennifer Knapp, by the way. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I, I knew her back in those days. Um, and it, it seemed like I had one of those bag phones, if I remember right. But for whatever reason, I did, I called from the the jail, and because I wasn't supposed to drive after that, and I had this pickup with all this gear and money in it. I'm, I'm a youth minister guy. With a warrant out for his With a arrest. warrant out for my arrest, yeah. Um, yeah, from Mankato, Kansas. It was so embarrassing. Um, but, and I ended up actually, I actually ended up violating the law again. I just drove home. But what I, what was so shocking to me was uh, how guilty I was without knowing it, right? I was been driving around guilty for apparently a couple of years with no understanding of it. And that was... It was almost like the way that you drove the point one week uh, and I was driving it the next week was there's, there's, there's like these two categories. There are those of us who are well aware of we're doing something wrong. Yeah. And we're just punching it. Yep. Try to outrun it, which never works, except for when it did for you. <laughs> uh, and then there are those of us who were just riding around, you know, guilty as could be without even knowing it. With the, the indictment of guilt was put on us. And um, neither one of those are good ways of dealing uh, with reality, um, you know, paying for our crimes against humanity, which is what Romans five ultimately talks about, is that Jesus paid for that for us, which was um, I don't know. I, it's such a big deal that um, so in society we're kind of told right now that if I will ignore my sin, ignore, uh, write it off. Or even just change the definition. We've seen a lot of that right now. Um, that you're just born this way. This is how you're supposed to be. God doesn't make mistakes. He wouldn't, you know. And I, I would like, you know, there are people I've sat down, I've sat down across the table from addicts, 
who, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, who could make the same argument and say, I was just made this way. Sure. But eventually, um, it, it always comes back. Yeah. And what was so important to me personally to, in my own walk with Christ, and that we communicated, was that, and anybody, if you're being just remotely honest with themselves, knows that they're not getting peace. They're not finding peace by ignoring it, uh, by outrunning it. And and you brought up such a great point about the peace of Christ and peace with God. And I can't remember how you said that, but, but what was it that you brought out of that from like the first few verses of Romans? Yeah, it was just a, a reminder that you can't have the peace of God, which we talked we talk about a lot. We use Philippians chapter four when we talk about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. But you really can't have that peace of God until you have peace with God. Like there's there is kind of an order to things with the Lord. Like you know, it's it's you have to make it right. You have to be in right standing. That's what he calls uh, being made righteous. Yeah. Um, that's where that comes from, that you are, you are made right in him. And that is what establishes peace with God. You know, the relationship is mended. You now have a, um, a right relationship uh, when that transgression or that thing that drove a wedge between you and whoever else, like you, you mend that relationship and so that you're, you now are right or righteous with one another. And once that happens, you can now have a peace that comes from him that does surpass all understanding. Um, and it's a covering. And that is um, that is what sometimes is missing from when, when we get anxious, we get worried, we get um, lack of peace, the opposite of peace. It's It could be because we have something between us and the Lord that needs to be resolved yeah. first. Yeah, I think... Um... I don't know. I view, well, I, I tend to view the idea of justification, righteousness. You know, it's like, especially if you grew up in a church, around the church, uh, any Christian teaching, we, I sort of take that for granted as like elementary, the simple things, and then we get to the deeper things after that. Yeah. And, uh, and that's so naive of me because it's not like just the starting point of your faith and then you get on to the rest of your faith. It actually is the whole stinking point. So that idea of verse 1 of chapter 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, yeah. then we can have this piece. Through. Like, that's not just, um, I get, um, whatever, I've received Christ, I, I, at this point I've been born again. And now I get on with my life. It's like that's the whole thing because I'm the, – the forgiveness that I have received, uh, the justification of my life, which not ju- – you know, it's, we use those words like justification and righteousness and propitiation. And, and like nobody that you know in your daily talks life like talks like that. <laughs> um, we, we don't talk like that. But they're biblical ideas that are important to understand even if you don't have the right name for it. Um, it's funny now because part of what's important, I guess, that when I, I'm, I'm going to backtrack on what I said, is that some people are using these phrases and meaning something completely intentionally different by them. Richard Rohr being one of those, he says he, you know, he uses the word redemption and he doesn't mean 
what we would mean by it. Like that Jesus right. died for your sins is not what he would say. Uh, he says he did not die for your sins. He actually says that out loud now. He used to only pretend it. But um, the idea that the one person, the one entity in the universe that I sinned against, the creator of all of this, that's who the sin is against. Right. He's the only one that can forgive it in the way that if you're a victim of a crime, if the judge forgives you, that doesn't do you any good. Um, but the victim of even on this side of heaven, if someone has been hurt or offended, you are part of that world. But the one that is ultimately injured in that is God. He is the one because you've taken his property. His. Mm-hmm. It's like if you stole my car, but my neighbor says, I forgive you for it. That doesn't do you any good. It wasn't right. your car. Yeah. Um, I, you know, when I was young and foolish with my uh, behaviors, I stole innocence from people, but I stole them from God, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so God heals them, can heal them. It's what eternity he will do. But we all stand before him, and the one that I sinned against is the one that says, okay, but I'm going to take the punishment for it. So it wasn't like he winks and nods. He actually takes the punishment for what I deserved yeah. so that. He can be just, fully just, mm-hmm. and fully merciful. Um, most atheists, most humanists, whatever, have this problem with God. Is he, you know, all powerful? And how can he, you know, uh, allow evil? And and the truth is, is that you know, the only way that if, if if love is the supreme ethic of the universe, then the only, then evil has to exist because there would be a choice in that. Otherwise, it's not love. Right. So he allows us to make these choices, which then allows uh, ultimately us to harm each other and harm him uh and then but his solution for that whole thing which before the foundations of the earth right so before we ever started he knew this was going to happen that he would take the punishment uh and it just it strikes me that i mean jesus was literally the only person in the history of the earth that not only chose when he was going to die because some people take in their own lives you can make the case they chose when they were going to die he chose like the circumstances around it he chose long before he was even on earth the circumstances of it and the purpose of it, um, the only one in history, and he chose to, which Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, he did it. Like, that's so profound. Um, it's, it's like it's almost like so simple you have to go to university to under, misunderstand it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so profound that, uh, you know, theologians have been trying to plumb the depths of it for centuries. And it's really good news. Because what yeah. we're seeing, it answers the question of what's true about you, which is that we are sinful, period. Yeah. And um, the good news is that we can be reconciled unto him, and I feel like we live in a world, or in, in a culture, where we try to reconcile unto ourselves. Yeah. That's really good, Mo, because that pretty much everything we're witnessing in um, our social media feeds in our news feeds or whatever watching is actually that is unto ourselves is a world spinning unto into our own selves yeah. with it. Um, you, you know, one of the big stories that you've really been honing in on, um, is this idea of the, the metaverse, which, oh geez. Yeah. yeah. When you said that out loud, I had heard that word before, but I'd heard it like in the, I don't know, like in a movie? Yeah. And it seemed so cheeseball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, uh, but but we got 
folks that are saying, and by folks I mean uh, Mark Zuckerberg and, and pretty much everybody right now talking about the metaverse. So pretend like I'm – explain this oh, to me like man. I'm five years old. What in the world the metaverse is and why a word that I've never heard before uh, in a serious context will within a year from now be a word that every – Remember when we didn't – I've never even heard social distancing. Like it's never been said in a sentence. Right. And now it's in the lexicon of our humanity. That's what this word metaverse is about to become. So it is a word that you're going to see a lot more of and hear a lot more about every every single day. In fact, Forbes just published an article this morning uh, about the metaverse. And uh, it's titled, Who Will, Ru- Who Will Rule the Metaverse? The strange battle for our future digital world, and in fact, um, uh, old boy Zuck uh, is uh, coming out tomorrow. Um, Zuckerberg with Facebook is going to announce the new name of Facebook's parent company. So they're kind of diversifying and naming a new parent company over top of Facebook. In one of their um, one of their sub companies is going to be this new metaverse that they're going all in for. It's virtual reality, it's AR, which is alternate reality, and um, it's going to be massive. They're, they're, they're spending $10 billion on this. Sorry, how much? $10 billion on a uh, metaverse concept of virtual reality or alternate reality. Augmented reality is technically what it's called. But, okay, so the metaverse. This is something that probably your children know more about than you do, to be honest. So those listening, those those listening that have kids that play video games, they're, they're already, they already know exactly what it is. <laughs> so if your kids are playing Fortnite, or Minecraft, or Roblox, which is massive right now. Roadblox? Roblox, R-O-B-L-O-X. Um, they're all very familiar with the metaverse. And essentially, it is, um, it's a concept more than an actual place, of course. It's a, it's a digital universe. So if you maybe think of it that way. It's a, an immersive digital world that everyone can live in. You have an avatar, it would be a Darren avatar, there's a Mo avatar, there's Micah the producer avatar, and there's this digital world that we all live in. Across the board, like globally, simultaneously, all of the time. And each of us with our own digital ID can enter into this digital world with VR, AR, or through gaming, specifically. And there's, there was actually a, a, a conference recently, it may have been just this last week, called the World Policy Conference, where they're talking about metaverse in terms of countries occupying digital real estate to exist in this metaverse. Is it like they're trying to conquer Antarctica, but like on the internet? The cloud. So we all are familiar with cloud technology, right? Like your iCloud or the Google Cloud, the Google Drive is files and things stored in the cloud. Well, this is like next level cloud world. Um, 
where it's all, again, simultaneously together in one digital universe that we exist. Um, the, the, the reason why this is important to acknowledge or at least pay attention to, it kind of backs up into what came out a week or two ago, or maybe a, a few weeks ago now, about Facebook and this oversight of content with, what, what's her name, Frances Haugen, mm-hmm. the whistleblower. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote, which we talked about a few weeks ago. The, the, the point is they're moving towards a global oversight of online content. We can see this shift happening. So there's a global oversight of online content, also known as censorship. <laughs> so that's um, – is the idea then – okay, so let, let's – before we get to the the part about where this is all going to go really wrong, <laughs> um, the point of like a Zuckerberg or – because they like, and look, I I could be wrong, but I feel like that just tech billionaires are not unlike most um, socialist dictators in that they didn't start out doing harmful things or with the intention of doing harm. I mean, heck, even Pablo sure. Escobar, right? Yeah, Colombian drug lord was so popular amongst Colombians because he was building cities for the poor, like using his wealth in that way. What is it that Zuckerberg, what is it that whoever else is involved in this, like what is what utopia do they think they're going to achieve mm. with this? Is it that we all get to be the best versions of ourself and by doing this online, that's where it's, it's going to happen? No, that's a, philosophically, yes, because you can create the world you want to live in. Literally, <laughs> not no, not necessarily literally, but yeah. like digitally, literally, you can create the avatar for yourself to look like you want it to look like. You can create. Yeah, mine's going to be super fit, right? Yeah, biceps for days. Oh yeah, the world that you want it to look like. I mean, this is augmented reality. It it is it is what it's how it's described. Augmented reality, AR. And it can be this this version of a world that you want to live in, that yeah. you can escape to. And they're all in on this. They're all in on this. And there is a there's an element of obviously global oversight. So so you have these tech companies that are they're rushing and racing towards what a metaverse access could look like for all of their users. And then you also have global oversight where there's like the World Economic Forum among other uh-huh. groups that are trying to say, okay, this is this is great. This is what's where we're moving towards, but we have to have some sort of rules and laws in place on how we will interact in this invisible world. These are conversations that are happening right now. It's just bizarre. Yeah. But there's an element of escapism and um, like a retreating to a place that is better than the world that is actual. And so what does that mean philosophically? Well, you know, the dilemma for this, and you can go to Google, Facebook, any one of these founders um, of a tech company that, that, that especially existed on social platforms, and they – 
their entire premise is based on the idea that we humans are actually good. There's more good than bad uh, of us. It's like they, the premise would be that they separate humans not by each of us having some good and some bad in us. They separate the humans by there's the good humans and the bad humans. Sure. And um, so the idea was that uh, once Zuckerberg uh, moved on from hot or not as the concept of his Right, uh, which is where it started. I remember that. Right? (laughs) Um, Once they moved on from that premise, um, the problem, uh, it's like what made it so alluring so quickly was you could create your own reality as far as who you are. And we all, that's so cliche now that you only show your, you know, the good parts and the, you know, the, the filters and, you know, hold the camera up a little higher so you lose one of your chins or whatever. Um, but what was, uh, what was not I understood by them was that if the line of good and evil doesn't go through groups of people, but through each of us individually, then they have unleashed a software that literally while we are trying to curate the image of us, right, of our pictures and our whatever, our feeds, on the other hand, of what we see, so their algorithms, we all know this by now, if you don't, what you interact with the most is what you will see more of. It's what your, it's what your ads will, you know, will be. And that sounds so innocuous and so benign, but what it does is it gives us a mirror into our soul. So while... If you go to my page from somewhere else, you'll see this best version of me. But the version I see, which is my feed, is actually a mirror of my own soul. So what they have found, and this is indisputable, whatever makes you angry, whatever makes you afraid, uh, those two emotions, for the most part, are what people interact with the most aggressively, the most proactively. Um, and some of what you're glad. So if you're looking at a lot of puppy videos or whatever, you'll see some of those too, right? Um, and obviously, if you're looking at naughty pictures, you're going to see those too. Like, but, but that, like, it literally all it is reflecting back to you is is you. And why it was so important that we talked about the peace of God two weeks ago was I'm willing to bet that most most active users of social media. If they were to look at what's coming up in their feed the most, I don't know that it would be the peace of God. It might be afraid things, things yeah. they're the most afraid of, things they're, they're the most angry about. We call them echo chambers. Um, yeah. And it's a good question for us to all ask ourselves. Uh, is this tool, which is created by software engineers with the understanding that humans are good, so we, we're going to interact with, we want to see more of that is actually what we're interacting with and we don't want to see more of that. And so is it feeding the beast inside of us? I think is how you said it. Um, yeah, I mean, as we feed the the beast, the artificial intelligence machine um, externally, it ironically actually feeds the beast inside of us. Yeah. And it is a reciprocal, um, you know, chasing your tail experiment that Facebook is now admitting they've lost the plot on. Like, they don't have control of that AI any longer. Like, it is yeah. taken on a form that they can't even control. And they're not really apologizing for it. They're just trying to modify it and yeah. fix it now. Well, and to me, that's uh, those words are terrifying. 
when they start talking about modifying it because what the irony of this whole thing is the only way to really modify it is for a bunch of people to um, just receive the gospel deep inside of us and receive the peace of God, um, peace with God, peace of God. Because without that, this tool will only reflect back uh, where which beast is winning, you know, the, the exactly. war. Um, and so, but from that perspective, what was really, it's been about three weeks now, right, since the Facebook whistleblower showed up, or has it been a month, something like that? Yeah. Um, and by the way, to me, like, it seems to me right now that if someone isn't a little concerned about this, it's one of two things. One, they actually just don't really understand the magnitude of this because it seems so benign that she's wanting to go on Capitol Hill and testify how Facebook is, you know, behaving. And um, But if you listen to her testimony, what she's saying is that um, they, quote, unquote, ignored these warnings. But what were the warnings? The warnings were that if we see more of what we like, we're going to see more hateful things, more things that make us angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, what's the solution to that? And their solution, they meaning whistleblower, um, is to get government to put laws in place so that Facebook will censor anything that is categorized as hate speech, anything that is categorized as dangerous, as uh, misleading misinformation. And what is absolutely terrifying about that as far as as the Republic, you know, the United States of America is in just this last year, we have seen multiple people who have been pulled from social media platforms for saying things that were categorized as misinformation. The Wuhan lab leak idea, which is talked about with regularity now, high-ranking, you know, influential people lost their platforms for even mentioning that a year ago. And there are dozens of examples of that. And so the question of if if the only answer, according to this whistleblower, is to get the, the government involved to censor speech, you know, whose government is going to do it? Yeah. Who in the government is going to do it? And then sitting back home at, you know, the, the San Jose offices or wherever it is, and I don't know where Redwood City, I'm not sure where Facebook is located, um, are a bunch of 28 to 30 year old recent graduates of MIT and Stanford, um, you know, woke toast 101 who are now going to decide what is and isn't allowed. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And I love that they've changed the, the, the word. They won't say censor, censorship. They say oversight. Yeah. That's the new little Man. bait and switch word. It's not, we're not censoring. We're just providing oversight um, from a government perspective. And, in, you know, like everything else, follow the money. Yeah, so Glenn Greenwald wrote a piece on his Substack um, about, and I hadn't actually not heard this name in a while, Omiadar. Um, Pierre. Pierre Omiadar, yeah, this uh, mysterious billionaire. The eBay founder. Yeah, eBay. And he is the guy that has funded um and of course it all sounds so benevolent right like here's this this lady that knows the truth and so she's going to testify but he's she doesn't have money to fly to you know New York or or LA or whatever so she, he's funding all of this 
and the, the, the thing about it is, is that here's this guy that is, if, if you followed him for any length of time, and I had because Glenn Greenwald used to write for a, a thing called The Intercept that he founded, uh, and Omidar was the f- primary funder of that. Just f- and coming out of the music business, like um, there was no shortage of really, really rich people who were not afraid to come in and just throw an enormous amount of money at something um, to just to be a part of the team or be a part of influencing. Right. Or whatever. Yep. Not, not, nothing inherently wrong with that. But what you end up getting is whatever the guy that's writing the checks, you get his worldview being the one that's being enforced. And when I found out that this was the guy that was funding her, which, by the way, nobody brought, like that, that didn't come up in any of the uh, Senate committee hearings. Nobody's no. asking about who paid for your flight over here. Um, and this guy, uh, one of the things that he, uh, the, the Greenwald brings out in his piece is that when it comes to a free Internet, uh, there are a few things more dangerous than allowing a tiny number of like-minded billionaires to use their vast wealth to control the contours of permissible speech. Mm. Yet that is exactly what has been happening, and the obviously orchestrated, well-planned, and well-financed campaign centered around this new high-tech Joan of Arc, I thought that was hilarious, ready to be martyred to save us all from an unsafe internet is merely the latest example. And he, he I mean, this is a long read. This, yeah. is, uh, this is at least two bathroom trips long for a read. Uh, <laughs> but he really brings out, and Glenn is a card-carrying, USDA-certified, government-approved, liberal i mean openly gay married to a guy from brazil he is not a conservative by any definition but the one thing that a true liberal and a true conservative have in common is we are looking for the truth they find a different version of what they think is true but that and this is why this why he was canceled i mean to hear this guy be called transphobic is utterly hilarious right to me i mean these words have meanings to, you know, to say any of us are transphobic, that means that I want to see them dead. That's not, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, gaslighting a culture, that's right. gaslighting. And that is uh, that is what guys like Omidar have said about Greenwald, who he funded his own company. Like, these guys know each other. And his uh, goal here is not just... Um, to make the world a better place, but is to make the world a place that looks a lot more like the MSNBC, CNN, uh, woke university platform, which is silencing and dissenting. And you go back to the original. If um, <laughs> if, if, if Hugo Chavez, uh, if, whoever it is, you go back. You look. They came out saying they're going to do something good, but because they're doing it for good. You can justify a lot of really bad behavior because it serves the quote-unquote good. This benign idea that they want to make the world a better place through the metaverse, through oversight of our speech, um, they probably go to sleep tonight believing that about themselves. But they are the ones that are defining what is and is not a good universe. And... uh, I'm just not interested in living in a universe uh, where Jack Dorsey is saying what is permissible and what is not permissible in the universe. I'm sure not interested in living in a universe where Nancy Pelosi is saying what is permissible and what is not permissible. And I'll take it as far as to say I'm not interested in, uh, in a universe where Donald Trump says is what is permissible. And what is permissible. So we have to figure out what that truth is. And the beautiful thing about the Bible, what we would say and believe, is the gospel 
of Jesus is a pretty good universe to live in. Like when you look at history, um, Tom Holland's book Dominion, and he talks about how cultures that uh, that went from a, a Christian worldview and how that government, that culture, you know, there. He says it this way: We want to live in a world with the benefits of Christianity, but without the doctrines of Christianity. And the, of course, the trouble is, is that it was the doctrines of Christianity that give us the benefits of Christianity. And you know, people can you know split hairs over what those are, but the the, the Romans five is it, man. The gospel that through one man's sin entered the world, and that sin is through the middle of all of us. And through one man, Jesus, sin was. Uh, dealt with if we would receive what he said you know people make fun of that if I don't pray the right prayer if I don't believe the right thing I'm going to be damned and you know they sort of like you know straw man this argument that's not it at all it's like is this true or is it not and if it's true how better would our lives be and a metaverse that doesn't have that involved with it is no is no bueno you know Zuckerberg has three billion people at his disposal three billion um, three billion followers, <laughs> which is a number that def- like literally is beyond comprehension. Which is why I don't think we understand the implications of everything we're talking about here. Uh, I don't think many understand the implications the of how yeah. the magnitude of this digital world that we all are a part of, um, and for all of the good that it does bring, there is to me a far larger um, rate of return <laughs> yeah. um, that is nefarious or ill-advised um, that is causing harm. Um, yeah, because it's like, and I guess that's the, the, the dilemma, right? When you live in the, in the Genesis 3 world, which is Facebook in and of itself, the, the software is... It's ones and zeros. Yeah, it's apolitical. Like, it's just ones and yeah. zeros. But somebody sat behind that and programmed it. It's one of the things that AI is so fascinating. Absolutely. Especially, you know, there was an article not long ago about how uh, AI is spitting out really racist and bad advice. Um, which And there was some hilarious examples if they weren't so terrifying. And because uh, somebody had to sit down and program what is good and what is bad. Yes. Into that. You know, the, the example that I've used before is in an electric car. Okay. If I'm driving uh, down the highway... And there is a group of people, and the only way that I could avoid hitting that group is to drive myself into a wall. Those are the only two choices. The AI chooses the wall, which on paper sounds great, but would you drive that car? <laughs> right. Right? Nobody would. Um, so who's going to program morality into that? Who's going to program what is quote-unquote phobic or not? You know, what is – we're already seeing it happen on the Webster's Dictionary, how a word will literally be the, – the def, literally the definitions are being changed of words. Um, herd immunity suddenly included vaccine. In the, and that was never before, but you could, literally one day it didn't say vaccine and the other next day it said vaccinated um, because somebody somewhere decided that was the new thing. Arbitrarily. Arbitrarily. Um, and, and, you know, gosh, the examples are myriad, but for us coming back to – Gosh, the only hope that this world has. It's it's hard not to be nihilistic. It really is. Um, which is why I think when you hear guys that are uh, 
the Dawkins of the world or whatever, Richard Dawkins, or, you know, they're somewhat nihilistic because if nature is all we've got, then we are doomed. I mean, that's just it. You know, at one point, even the most hopeful version of this story is our sun will go dark and everything you ever did and everyone you ever loved will be gone forever and no one will know. Like, that's not very meaningful, <laughs> right? That's, um, and at the, the other side of that is you know, the gospel, which says that, hey, beyond this sun, beyond this world, beyond this universe is this other and benevolent God that says I'm, I created it all. And uh, I want you to be, I created you to be a part of this. I created you consciously to be a part of this. And I gave you choice so that um, it would mean that some of us would do bad things and there would be some really bad things. We would all sin, all fall short, but he would come and save us. uh, That's a pretty hopeful story. And if, you know, if if you're like me and you believe it to be true, um, that's kind of it. Like when I go back to the gospel, why it's so more profound that I give it credit for, that's pretty freaking profound. And the fact that there is a tomb in Jerusalem that is empty, and some might say, well, we don't know that that was him or not. To put it differently, there is no tomb with Jesus' body in it, which we know from history, Muhammad, Buddha, right. you know, name your God. They, you, they venerate their tombs, and people travel for thousands of miles to go to that tomb, and there is no tomb of Jesus, which is hard to explain unless there is no tomb of Jesus because he resurrected. And that gives us a pretty hopeful narrative of our future to, to hold on to, and, a, you know, a Jesus that, uh, that loves us, that, we, that calls us to love our enemies, all that, that's a pretty good narrative uh, to live by. It's, and I, I'm using the word narrative because it's, it's I don't mean it that way because it sounds like a, someone might say, well, you know, it's a narrative. Anybody can choose a narrative. But again, an empty tomb, that's a truth. Like, that's a truth. So listening to what he said, that's a, you know, it's not a bad way to live. Don't you feel like this this metaverse, this digital world that we're living in, is Satan's attempt to create a universe that worships him, ultimately? Yeah. Like, you know, there's there's this other topic that we we've we've touched on a little bit too. It, it all does tie together very much so, um, and that's transhumanism, which is you know this digital world to the next level where they believe that we won't die, that we can save our brain, our, our, um, the, uh, we can upload our brain to a cloud to live forever in this, well, in this metaverse. And, you know, if you ask the, one, of the, one of the guys kind of behind this movement, which is Ray Kurzweil, I don't know if you're familiar with that name, but he's he's Google's um, director of engineering and a futurist. Um, when he's asked the question, "Is there a God?" his response was, "Not yet." Wow. Yes, they truly believe that they can create a godlike scenario for each one of us. And he made a pretty crappy keyboard. <laughs> Kurzweil yeah. piano keyboards. Sorry if you like those. So I apologize if anybody's offended by that comment. But I mean, 
I don't, I don't know, know how we keep guy or not. It, it is absolutely. No, it is right. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Kurzweil um, nice. created the Kurzweil, uh, which is why he got to be like a hundred years old. I think, <laughs> He's an old guy. That or he created this when he was young, but but he is in the thick of it with Google, of course, um, talking about this this next world and their idea for living forever. That which is so the, the short answer to your question uh, is yes. The idea whether they would recognize it coming from the pit of hell or not. You know, the Bible says that eternity was written into our hearts. Like, we desire eternity. Yeah. And uh, a guy like Kurzweil, and he's been talking about this for a while, um, at Kurzweil, um, that, that if your consciousness is just synapses, like electrons, electricity synapses firing around, that we should be able to then capture that in the future and and put it someplace um, if it's just electrons, if it's just electricity flying around. And, you know, there are an increasingly greater number of neuroscientists, neuroscience uh, neurosurgeons, who come to faith because the one thing that they can't explain is consciousness. Yes. You know, I, I woke up this morning aware that I was here, aware of why am I here? My dog woke up this morning, took a dump on the lawn, ate some breakfast, <laughs> and went back to sleep. You know, that dog is alive and breathing, but there's no consciousness to it to know that why, who am I, why am I here? And I know, look, if you're an animal, you might be, you completely argue with that. Maybe I'm wrong. I, but they're not, I've never seen any animal have an existential crisis at right. their, uh, you know, over why am I, who am I, why am I here? But humans alone have that ability. Yes. And that's what he's saying that you could, and, and look, I don't know why we keep letting guys that create crappy technical gear try to tell it. <laughs> like, you know, Bill Gates created Windows for crying oh, out loud. Word. Windows, for God's sakes. And we're letting him try to tell us how to, you know, inoculate the world. I mean, I have uh, some pretty strong opinions about the Windows operating system. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm the guy that bought the compact uh, PC, which had the Windows, uh, the mini Windows. It was just literally was a $600 solitaire game. Was all it was. Um, But we let these guys are now, you know, telling and Ray Kurzweil. I mean, I don't know the guy that invented the DX7. Maybe I'll listen to you, Yamaha guy, but I'm not interested in Kurzweil, you know, lecturing me. But but the, the 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 deeper answer is if you are a secular humanist. And this is true uh, across the board. You know, there's the the old myth of that uh, Disney uh, like froze himself cryogenically, so right. in case it can whatever, which I don't think to be true, but but it was hilarious a few years ago, and now it's like uh, you know, the, the, if you look at any one of these guys' uh, tech portfolios, so the the guys from Sergey to Zuckerberg, they are investing heavily in some version of. This and there's two versions. One is that your body will stop aging, um, so it's it's primarily physiological, and the other is consciousness, d- uh, downloading you into a technical piece of gear that could go on forever. And these guys are deadly serious. About oh, that. they're they're spending tons and tons of money over it. And one of the things that he says specifically is that he says, we'll develop nanotechnology that goes inside the body and not only halts aging, but reverses it by making cells biologically younger, essentially eliminating all natural causes of death. That is the goal. That is the research that's happening right now. 
You also have Elon Musk, who is spending a ton of money jumping into Neuralink, which is you know a brain interface where they are. He's hoping that we can upload ideas or download ideas to your brain. This is a this is a product. This is a a piece of equipment that is surgically implanted into your brain. They're testing it right now on pigs, and they've done it. And they he did a whole press conference on it. You can go look it up on YouTube. Um, it's incredible how they were able to change um, the direction like a pig was walking by sending it signals and new information. Um, this is real stuff that's happening in real time right now. And it's his goal for this to be implanted into a human like in the next five years. How hilarious is it that that is not terrifying? <laughs> like that should be like you talk about things that shouldn't be allowed. Like has there ever been a technology like that that a government looked at and thought that's helpful? Like we'll do that, that would use it for their own. There's also a video out there of, of – uh, this same technology, Elon's technology, um, Neuralink, of a monkey playing Pong. Remember the old game Pong, Atari? Yeah, well, yeah. Pong? Do I remember it, man? I spent my grew up winter shoveling snow to purchase it, man. I... But he's got he's got monkeys playing Pong now with this Neuralink implant, being able to learn. It's learned behavior that is then stored. It's is like, the idea to be able to so I could be smarter? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can recall information. Just like, you know, we have we have these exact same computers. They're just external. They're on they're called your phone. You can look up anything at any time with Google or Siri. I have one and it's called Shannon. Like your where wife. did I put my keys? Where did I put my Yeah, well <laughs> the idea is that this phone, this wow. this ability to recall information or find information or do calculations or have a map to wherever you want to go to be inserted into your brain so that you can just recall it just by thinking about it. And that's that's the next level. Wow. And it's 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 all of this. Like again, if you zoom way out, it just feels like this ever evolving attempt to be godlike. Wow. And what's hilarious to me is if you were to ask any one of these guys, uh, which I would ask him if I had him in a room, do you really believe this is possible? Um, do you believe? that it's beneficial? Do you believe that humans are better, that this could actually, quote-unquote, save us? Like Ray Kurzweil's, uh, is there a God? Not yet. Um, it sort of comes unraveled when you realize that over this last year that there was a 2,000% increase in purchasing of underground bunkers <laughs> in Kansas, <laughs> Oklahoma, Texas, by tech billionaires. Um, wow. They're hedging their bets. Well, another, yeah, this is one last little nerd thing I'll mention, but singularity, that's the phrase that they have termed that will happen once AI and robots exceed or meet human knowledge or um, experience or wisdom. Singularity, when the robots have, have caught up to or are making decisions or are faster than humans is when this thing comes unraveled. And they talk about it a lot. If you if you research singularity, transhumanism, um, that is the, the the moment in time that they fear the most. Yeah, I mean, uh, if I if I remember the definition of singularity, it's like the, the, there's a moment, a tipping point where it's now irreversible. It's irreversible. Um, That's right. Uh, which is, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Again, if that I don't know why that isn't terrifying to to even to these guys like Elon Musk, like to if they were, and you know that's not sure. I do know why, because 
the secular humanist ideology is that we are evolving towards good. Right. And so their idea is that we are evolving and we will be better. And so the technology will serve us because we're going to be better versions of ourselves. Right. Um, which is a demonstrably false uh, throughout history, demonstrably false. Um, and again, if they're buying uh, bunkers in, which is true, by the way. So where I was from, um, the middle of the country, uh, when I was in the 80s, they, they would do these nuclear uh, drills. I don't know if they did those by the time you guys were in school where you, you got under your desk and mm-hmm. like, dude, if a, I don't think my desk is going to do anything. Like, I feel like this is a, <laughs> this is a safety theater here. Um, but where I was at, they have all these missile silos for yeah. nuclear weapons. Yeah. And you, you wouldn't even know they're there. You're driving through Kansas, and they're out there in, the, in these fields. And so a lot of those have been abandoned, and they're empty. And the, this, so these investors have bought them, and they're building out these uh, really, really high-end luxury bunkers. Wow. Um, where billionaires are investing millions of dollars for a place to go. Uh, of course, it's all secretive, and nobody knows where they are. And but my point is, is if they really believed that, um, would they be purchasing sure. these things? The answer is they're just as nihilistic as we are. Yeah. Um, they have a hope, and theirs is that Ray Kurzweil is right. And again, I played a Kurzweil keyboard, so I'm not so confident. Uh, I, you know. I've had to force restart my Windows. I've lost a lot of data over the years on my uh, Windows operating systems. Um, not so confident that Bill Gates has got this right. Uh, none of them resurrected from the dead. None of them died in my place. So I don't know whether they're good or benevolent or not. Uh, and I don't know that they could prove that they were good or benevolent. But I do believe I serve a Jesus that did. And... I, you know, it's it's like the more you read or study, you know, the, the, it's not that you become more afraid. You just become more aware, more awake, and that what the enemy is meant for harm, you know, ultimately the Lord, you know, he will use for good, and the good is it making us more into the image of Christ. Um, and I feel like that what we are as a church called to do, called to be, is not to shrink back, Um so it's like, on the one hand, don't ignore it. You know, I've heard people say um, to me, hey, you know, that's the stuff we can't control, you know, like, so don't stress out about it, um, which is a misunderstanding of what we're doing. We're not stressed about it. Um, but I don't think that's a very good plan to be ignorant of what's happening in the world intentionally, just because I can't change it necessarily. On the other hand, um, going all the way down the rabbit hole, like, we don't have any weapons buried on the back of the church. Maybe I should just say that. Like, there's no bunker <laughs> back there. Um, but on the other hand, we're prepared. You sure. know, if something changes or goes wrong, we want to be prepared. We want to be ready to be able to serve and love the people around us here just like we are in other countries. Uh, that's what the gospel of Jesus compels us to Which do. we had to do uh, in the past 18 months. Yeah. In, in some regards, right? During the pandemic. In many regards. Unquote. Like every regard, right? Yeah. We had to be available to our community. We had to be available to our church family. In multiple ways, and we start. We still are making ourselves available to our church family that are having to make really tough decisions. We have people that are potentially losing their jobs over the next couple of weeks, couple of months. Right. Um, and how will we be able to serve our church family th- through this? And so, I mean, it, you know, our staff pastor Mike Howard shared this with us yesterday. Is uh, this reminder that we are uh, we're in wartime? <laughs> right. Uh, we're, we're not necessarily in in peacetime. Yes, we are 
you know, America is in a, in a peace, a time of peace with the world per se. That could be argued perhaps at a deeper level. But spiritually speaking, this is we're we're in a wartime scenario where there's there's work to be done. The enemy is coming against us. Um, the enemy is coming against our children. Um, the enemy is absolutely coming against our culture and society. And so what are we going to do about it as Christians? Are we going to idly sit back and watch this happen, or are we going to armor ourselves, as, as it's described in Ephesians chapter 6, um, to take ground back for the kingdom? And I think that's, that is our clarion call at this point. Um, we've got work to do because yeah. we have hope. Yeah, I mean, look, if I didn't have the hope that we have— I actually would probably just much prefer to put my head in the sand as well and just yeah, see what happens. Yeah, play music while the Titanic is sinking, right? Um, but because of the hope we have, we don't have to ignore it because they're actually, you know, the, the end of the Titanic uh, wasn't such a great story. Although the question, there, can we be honest? What There was room on that thing for Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> she let him, she did not have to let him die. There was They could have both fit on there. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, but... This isn't a situation of we're going to sink under the ocean. This is a uh, God's bringing a new ship yes. situation. Yeah, Actually, that's what the, the gospel ship song. Remember the gospel ship song? That's what they were talking about. I want to take a trip on that good old gospel, gospel ship. ship. Yeah, you grew up Southern <laughs> gospel, you know. Um, he's given us a new ship. And until then, I want to get as many people on this ship aware of it as possible. Um, that's right. It, it turns out that uh, the commands of Jesus, you know, to care for the least of these brothers of mine was in the context of a world that was being in the middle of an upheaval. Matthew 24 and 25 is talking about a world that is an upheaval. Um, so when it says those who are naked, turns out if your world is full of, you know, earthquakes and wars, there's going to be some naked people out there. There's going to be some hungry people. If your world is full of totalitarian governments that hate Jesus, there are going to be some people in jail. So visit them. Um, right. So we, we I'm I'm continuing to be energized by all of this um, because we happen to know the way this plays out. And we happen to be in a position because we are awake that where people as they're being awakened, uh, they have some leadership from us. And we're not by by no stretch of the imagination. Are we the only church in America uh, or in the world for that matter? Uh, But we are one of them. And, that, that is awake and that is aware. And uh, I'm proud of that. Like I'm proud yeah. of our staff. I'm proud of our, our team, our leaders, uh, and, and want to be ready for whatever is coming so that they're, you know, we are ready to serve and love those who are in need in our own country. Uh, who would have ever thought that we could be in a place right now in America where we have the potential to see the kind of physical need uh, that we see in other countries. Um, it's true. And yet that's exactly where we are teetering on right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good conversation. Some deep stuff. Some wild stuff. Uh, feel free to fact check us at any at any time. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> Mo at conduitchurch.com. Yeah, just shoot me an email. Um, but uh, we're going to continue on with this sermon series. Uh, What's true about you in Romans chapter six this coming week? If you have missed any of the previous teachings, obviously you can find it through our podcast and through our YouTube channel. And if you need any information or want any information, whether it's contact information or just information about the church, you can find that on our website, conduitchurch.com. And we look forward to being with you again next week.